0: What's your love story? But I do know that the love for my dad is unquestionable.
1: And that is how I express my love to people. It's through small things that only they know about.
2: Everyone, welcome back to Refreshingly Human with your host Hannah Pillow. This is a podcast that's all about human connections, shared experience, and finding that line of humanity by sharing our stories. And today we are going to be discussing the emotion of love. This is actually the last emotion we have to discuss now. This one was a head-scratcher, guys. Love is so complicated, right? I mean, it means something different to everyone. And I started this journey by just checking what love meant to a few different people. And I've got like a variety of answers. Um, Most of them, though, related love to a feeling of feeling safe, feeling secure, or a safe haven of some sort pretty amazing stuff and that really got me thinking what does love mean to me in my life you know we have so many different types of love we have romantic love we have uh, love for family we have love uh, for parents love for friends and love for material things as well right it's just such a wide spectrum and I know on the podcast with um Jimmy Pashuzzi, I discussed love with him and we talked about love from a natural instinct of of sex and a desire to reproduce. And I do think though that it is way more complicated with that, uh, way more complicated than that, uh, for sure, because we have different motives for why we love, which kind of leads me to love in my own life. I sit here today in Manchester in my pretty cool office, which I just done up recently, by the way, and I am so grateful to be alive today. I am so grateful to be here, to be living a kick-ass life, which I once thought was impossible to live, which actually might be a pretty normal life for most people, (laughs) but to me, it's just was, like I said, was once impossible. And I am here where I am today, mainly because of the people that showed me love in the times that I most needed it. So love for me is something that saved my life.
1: Every now and then you meet somebody and you form a friendship that lasts for the rest of your life. And for me, Rami is one of those people. I met him when I was in Oxford and it was the year that my brother died, he'd killed himself. And it was a year that was very difficult for me, not just because of that, but because of other pressures as well. And I got to know Rami and occasionally I'd talk about how difficult things were at the time for me. But most of the time we just hang out and just be friends. And then many years later, I moved to California. And Rami also moved to California. And for a while, we lived together. We got to know each other quite a bit better then. And then another time, I had to go to the USA for a conference. And I knew that Rami lived in Washington DC at the time. So I decided to take an extra couple of days and go up to Washington DC and visit him to make sure he was doing okay. I didn't want him to feel as if he'd been abandoned or that his friends were no longer interested in talking to him. I mean, we can't visit everybody all the time. We're all over the world. So we have to pick and choose when we go and visit people. So I decided to go to Washington DC, spend some time with him and just see how well he's doing and let him know how much he meant to me. It was then when I found out that he had a girlfriend and this made me very happy. Um, for as long as I'd known Rami, I think he'd been single. And then all of a sudden, he found this girlfriend and you know, I'm, I'm not naive, I decided to spend some time with her and find out what she was like. And I could not imagine a better match for Rami and his girlfriend. So we had a, a brilliant time. We went all around the capital um, and we went to the museums My favourite part was I went to a Shakespeare museum where they had an exhibit on medieval cryptography. And this is something which all three of us found ridiculously interesting, we were all very geeky. Anyway, um, on the plane back, I thought I I was very happy for him. I was worried about him before I went, and after I visited him, I was very confident that he'd be okay, and that he'd be happy. Then, a few years later, he got married to his girlfriend. Now his wife, of course. And he asked me to be one of the groomsmen. I said, of course, nothing would make me happier. So the wedding was planned. It was in Oxford, where he went to university. And he got to bring all of his friends back for a small reunion. Uh, And also, you know, his family came, and his wife's family came and we had event after event for the wedding. Um, My favorite part was there was uh, an evening where, he's a Bangladeshi origin, and so they don't drink. So they had an evening where there was was no alcohol around, but somebody asked me to get a bottle of whiskey and hide it in the back room just in case. That's what I did, so I hid this bottle of whiskey and then spent the rest of the night being very sober and very proper. Only to find out the following night, they'd actually decided to have a bit of a student a night out and had cocktails and got very, very drunk and had kebabs at the end of the evening. If those two nights had happened the other way around, I think the first evening would have been a bit less stressful for me. But anyway, it was a, it was a fantastic event and I was so extremely happy that Rami got married um, to his wife, Kat. Um, and the amount of love that I have for Rami found its way into the wedding. Um, I didn't give any speeches or anything like that I kept everything very personal there was a place where you could leave a card for the couple just to say you know congratulations, are so happy for you that kind of thing so I went out and I bought a nice card and I, I wrote this letter uh, inside the card it folded up sort of origami style and so they'd gone through and they'd read every single card that they had and they said there was one that was blank and I said, oh, uh, what colour was it? And they said the colour, I can't know what colour it was. And I said, oh, that's my card. Yeah, you have to open it up. And they opened it up and they found this mini essay in there. And basically what I said was that, yeah, I, I didn't give a speech, but if I was going to give a speech, I would say about the time that I went to visit Rami in Washington, D.C. was the moment that I realised that I'd never have to visit him again because Cat is the best companion he could ever have, the best friend best girlfriend, best wife, and that on the plane journey to go and meet Rami, I was worried about him, making sure he was happy and that he was fitting in, that he had friends, and on the way back, that he had the best friend he could ever have in the whole world. That was something that I I wrote for him, Um, and that's something that I still think back to quite a a lot these days. Um, There are a few other times when uh, I, I expressed my love for Rami and Kat as well um, on those days. There was a series of uh, different tasks that needed to be done. And there's about two hours in the middle of the day. And so we had to go around and, and do all these tasks. So I decided to go ahead and do this. And one of the things that they wanted was some kind of uh, representation of a horse. It's traditional to have a horse groom rides in. That couldn't be done in the middle of Oxford. So what were we going to do? So what we did instead was we got some coconuts And we cut them in half, hauled them out, ate the insides, and then we gave each of the groomsmen and Rami himself uh, a pair of half coconuts so that we could clap them together like they do in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And so you could hear around the corner of the quadrangle the echoes of the coconuts clapping together, and it sounded like Rami was riding in on a horse, which is exactly what he wanted. So we did that, and there was lots of laughter. Uh, Everyone really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun and I saved two of the coconut halves for later on. Then when I went home, I went back to Manchester, bought some spray paint, some gold spray paint, and uh, sprayed the two halves of the coconut, put it together in a big box um, with a printout of the photo that I had of Rami. Um, Oh, actually, Rami, myself, and the other groomsmen banging these coconuts together. Um, And I, I sent that off to where he was having his honeymoon without any warning, uh, and so he just received this box of the two coconut halves. So if he ever wanted to recreate that moment, he could do. Um, and I said, you know, these are golden coconuts, and his wife said, that is the best euphemism I've ever heard of. So yeah, I was happy with that one as well. <laughs> um, and today uh, I went out shopping and it was raining, so I took an umbrella with me, of course. You know, where are you going to get an umbrella from like that? Well, it was a wedding gift from Rami. It's still uh, the umbrella that I use when I want to remember him or when I want to go somewhere formal. It's got a, a tag on it. I can't remember the exact wording of it, but I've never taken the tag off because I want to remember Rami every time I use that umbrella. Um, and the final thing that I did for Rami um, at his wedding was take photos. So I've got the SLR camera. Oxford in the summer its one of the most beautiful places you'll ever be. And the weather was glorious so we got the opportunity to get all these different photos of of Rami, of Kat, of his family, of her family, of the groomsmen and the bridal uh, group and I got about 100 gigabytes of photos um, and my last app before I went back to the train was to give Kat and Rami the SD cards uh, so that they had a copy of every single photo they had there. So if nothing else They've got some additional photos, not just that the professional photographer took, but from uh, one of their friends as well, who is on the sidelines and getting some different views that that maybe the professional photographer missed out on. So that's the kind of experience where when you've got a lifelong friend like that, who's been through some really dark times and really good times with you, who's been there for the highs and the lows and the bits where you doubt yourself and the bits where you achieve so much success. To be able to show that love, it can be quite difficult, especially between two men. Um, and so I, I showed it through two or three days of act after act of just love and kindness and appreciation for Rami and and of Kat as well. Um, and that is how I express my love to people. It's through small things that only they know about. Um, and it's mainly through acts. I, I don't like to talk too much about my emotions. Um, I like to do favors for people. I like to let them know that I care. I like to give them something personal that they won't get elsewhere. And it just fills me with so much joy to do that.
2: So Aiden's story is pretty amazing and really illustrates that love is, in fact, a feeling that we can form for people in a totally unromantic and unsexual way. And I can vouch that Aiden is definitely a sweetheart who truly does go above and beyond for his friends and I love him so much. Of course, I appreciate that it is more complex than just romantic love or deep friendships or relationships. By God, love is just such a sticky topic and I am no expert on love for sure. But I'm just going to tell you a little bit more about what love is in my life. How feeling love and feeling loved is a strong feeling that, like I said, it got me through so much in my own life. Now, you all know like bits and bobs of my childhood. You know, loyal listeners, you've been listening for a while and you might have caught glimpses of my story. But there's one thing that I had not really stressed and that is that I was extremely well loved um, by so many people throughout my life. I was very lovable most of the time. <laughs> and, you know, being a tragic teenage angst or grieving child. Um, I, I think I had a very busy childhood and I, did re- I didn't really recognize the love in my life for a long time. <laughs> but the time that I really appreciated the love I had in my life, when it was when I was just the saddest I've ever been. And I spoke about sadness in my last episode and I told you about the period of loneliness that I felt in my last marriage. And in my episode on happiness as well, I spoke about how splashes of happiness in our lives feel so good because we experience these bad times. And for me, this is true of all emotions. The variety and the complexity of our emotions build up a whole human being and really allow us to truly and appreciate and value the feelings that make us feel better. So to me, I now value the emotions that leave me feeling less than okay, as they truly give more meaning to the feelings that make me feel amazing. So when I felt the most depressed in my life, the moment of that intense loneliness, those moments after my divorce when I felt so hopeless, and the moments in my life when I wanted it all to just end, those were the moments that love swooped in and saved me. How? Well, it takes just one person, just one act of kindness, one loving word to pull someone out of the darkness or to even just open up darkness and let in the tiniest ray of hope. When I was extremely lonely, Dan, my now husband, snuck into my life. At first, he was purely a companion, someone to talk to. But then I grew fonder and fonder of him and he began to give me hope. He made me realize that there were amazing people in the world and there were people in the world that understood me. And this was a time in my life where I was so ready to give up on romantic love. I was ready to kind of accept the belief that love was purely duty and there was no romantic love involved. But then Dan came in and he taught me that I could love and that I could actually be loved romantically as well. And love saved me. After my divorce, my, f- my first divorce or my only divorce, <laughs> I was stuck in limbo of being treated like a child and having limited rights as a grown woman and I began to feel so frustrated and I felt that so much in my life was impossible, you know. Um, there were more than one evening that I felt that there was just no hope and my life would never get better and I will always be under someone or the other's control and I truly felt that there was no way out. And then Dan stepped in. And he would paint me pictures of what my life would be like when we were together. Yes, when, not if. (laughs) And of all the things we could do and all the places we could do, we could go and the life we could have. And he breathed life into me. And again, love saved me. When I was living in Turkey... Damn, I had the best time of my life there, by the way. But if any of you out there have moved to a new country or even a new, a new city, you know that the adjustment is a bit of a bitch. And there is a period of just trying to find your tribe and thinking it's hopeless and periods of extreme loneliness. And then came Isha. Speaking of Isha.
0: So love is not an easy feeling for me to express But I do know that the love for my dad is unquestionable. My father is a character that I would refer to as unique, but also full of wisdom. I learned a lot of difficult stuff, easy stuff, simple stuff, complex stuff from my father. Because um, I know that he has an unusual way to show his love, but somehow I can just feel it. I remember the day when I was in high school I decided to borrow my dad's car to well basically to do stuff like to go to school to take my friends out well basically to go day to day because I already have my driver license at that time and my dad was a bit shocked um, he didn't realize that I'm going to request to borrow his car so soon since my sister didn't really ask for it until she was um she almost graduated from college so the day when he said that he's going to lend me his car he took me outside of the house and then he showed me the car and the first thing he said is like okay um how do you change the tire and i was like um i don't know and he said well get creative open youtube and find out so i did and i did it so i changed the tire I did everything I needed. I have all the tools in the trunk. So I showed him, yes, I did it. That's great. And then the next thing he said, like, okay, I want, now, I want you now to open the hood and tell me what's what. And I was like, how am I supposed to know that? And again, get creative, Google it. So I did it, Opened the hood, told him like, this is the radiator. This is that, this is that, and so on. And the next thing that he said is I want you to change the oil now. And I was like, I have to go under the car. And it's like, do what's necessary. So I did it. And after I did all of that stuff, uh, in the end, he told me to wash the car myself. So I was like, fine, I'll do it. Um, yeah, I was thinking, like, this is very unorthodox way to actually teach your kid. But then he told me afterwards, he said that I do want you to take the car and I do want you to be um, independent but I want you to make sure that you can take care of yourself in any emergency. So if something ever happened to you, I want you to be able to take care of yourself because I won't be around the whole time that you need my help. And I was like, okay, that's actually very smart. And not so long after I started driving my own car, maybe nine, ten months after that, like almost a year after that, Um, I was in a highway and then suddenly I felt like someone just hit me from the back and I realized that my my back left tire just blew up. And that is the moment when I felt like, oh, hold on a second. I know how to change a tire. My dad's a genius. So, I would say that my love for him is more than just family love, but I love him for taking care of me, taking care of the family and making sure that I am independent enough to know how to take care of myself. And I love him for the fact that he made me an independent person. Like not all fathers would do that to their daughters, definitely not. But I love him for trusting me and I just hope that I will make him proud someday
2: now that story brings tears to my eyes what an amazing dad right and trust me guys he raised a hell of an amazing daughter isha saved me in turkey the friendship that we created is like soul sisters and no oceans can keep us apart so corny but you know what it's true we became friends and we were basically sewn to the hips She was there for me when I needed to get my wisdoms out. She was there for me when, uh, well, when we were both there for each other, when we had major fallouts with some friends who I like to refer to as the mean girls. (laughs) And I was there for her when the airport attack happened in Istanbul and she had to go and pick up her sister the next day. And we talked through so many heartaches and we bonded over so many drinks and we are still there for each other. Oceans be damned. Love saved me again. And the second year in Turkey I had now I, I had no Isha and I went through a similar cycle, but then I found new bonds, more amazing friendships that still stand the test of time. And I had friends that took me in when I had no place to live. I had friends who st- uh, stored luggage for me, helped me haul huge bags across Eastern Ball, Friends who sat with me when my family were a little nasty about my engagement to Dan. And again, love saved me. And now, here I am in Manchester. And you know, there are so many valuable people in my life. And I can sit here and name each and every one of them. But if you are listening, you know who you are. And I want to point out the value these people brought to my life and how much I love them. In Manchester, I made friends with a group of people that truly love me as I am. I can be myself with them. 100% imagine that not having to pretend or to be someone else not having to hide your feelings or emotion just being 100% refreshingly human and being loved and accepted and it's these people who have truly given me the confidence to be sitting here sharing my stories with you and creating some amazing things because the support that these people have given me time and time again has given me new value in life. And love, again, saved me. Love is such a complicated emotion. I want you to just sit back for a while. Well, (laughs) if you're not driving or walking or going for a jog. (laughs) If you can, sit back for a while. Sit back for a little bit. And think about love in your own life. You know what? Let's press refresh on everything that we know or a program to believe about love and really look at what love means in our lives what's your love story you know it's not maybe not maybe it is maybe it's going to be like the super amazing fairy tale that we see on tv and maybe that's your love story or maybe your love story is so unique like for me love is a savior love is what kept me alive love is what motivates me What role does love play in your life? What value do you attach to love? I actually am not a fan of like gooey romantic stuff. And my husband can uh, prove that as well. He definitely agree with that. Um, He's the whole, uh, oh, I love you and all these corny lines. And I'm like, oh God, that's so cheesy. (laughs) But of course, I do value love in my life so much. And he knows that. Um, and I show my love in very different ways. And that's why I say love is so unique. It's so um, personal. And I just, I would love to know what is your love story? Or you know what? You don't even have to share it. As long as it's, this episode's maybe got you thinking about how love can just have so many different places in our life and It's just such a complex thing for all of us. And at the end of the day, your love story is yours. But also, we are all human and we all want love and we all want to be loved. And that is what connects us. No matter how unique your love story is, love is something that can connect us. And guys, that is the end of all these emotions and the end of me being sappy, which I'm not really good at. (laughs) But next week, if you guys remember Sarah from the first episode of the season, the CBT practitioner who highlighted some really cool information on three emotions well, Sarah's going to be back next episode, you guys sent in your questions. Sarah has answered all of them amazingly. And uh, she's just going to be tying up this whole episode together and we're going to be reflecting on what we've learned as well. So be sure to join me next Monday to wrap up the season of emotions. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Refreshingly Human with myself, Hannah Pillow. It's been great having you join me today. If you liked my content, please do share it with a friend you think would find it interesting and subscribe to the show as well. I would love to have you listening in to many episodes to come. You can find me on the socials. I'm on Facebook as Refreshingly Human and Instagram as Hannah Pillow. See you next time.